You should do what I do. I you should know. do what I do and uh, yeah. double down on Tencent. I just, <laughs> I just spent twelve hundred dollars on now, Tencent to, today. Recently has not been the time for me to ever. Recently has not out. been the time Are for me. To, what? You just cut out. No, I didn't. I just stopped talking. I, re- I I stopped talking because I read a text from Galway that said, "Yo, did you know that there's a place by you called Caffeine Academy and it's a DJ school?" I don't know what to do with that information. <laughs> I didn't know that. I don't know why I would know that. I don't know anything about it. Yeah, so Tencent right now is in the gutter. This is video game talk, by the way, for what's the deal with games. It is kind of video game talk. Oh, 28th. Tencent is in the gutter. Uh, you know, something, something about uh, China says, How hey. How did I make 500 I made $600 today? Whoa, what, what, yeah, what's going on? Yeah, from your Tencent, probably. Um, right? Tell me if it wasn't from Tencent. Um... I don't know. I have I had I have twenty shares, but I mean, no, it's it's from a it's from a couple different things. It's from Tencent is one of my better things. Tencent uh, tanked. I don't know if you saw. Tencent yeah, went way no, down. Obviously. So when they went way down, I just uh I just bought I just bought a bunch. Uh, they got fined by the Chinese government for um making kids like look sexy or something. I don't know. But that's a weird problem. More, that's a weird more problem. News, in more important news, they did release pokemon unite and it's not catching on yet but i guarantee it will like i am so certain that that game is going to succeed and and that's tencent like that is straight up tencent like there's like pay to win mechanics and all sorts of bullshit so i doubled down on tencent i i i I bought 20 shares today and and i'm in it i mean I don't know. I mean, now is a better out. time because my, my, my 20 shares of Tencent was, was around the 80 buy point. Listen, I, I'm, my average... I'm not a financial investor. I'm not a financial advisor. My average so cost people, is 82. Yeah, people listen. My average cost was 80, uh, and I just brought that down by buying 20. I mean, that's how it works, right? Buy the dip. Yeah. Buy the dip. I do think that it, overall that's one of my, what's one, one of my bigger um, long long cons. Um, Tilray has been one of my biggest long cons, and they have not done me well. But, yeah, that's but they the will. problem with meme stocks. I mean, I don't think Tilray is a meme stock. I, I, I don't like the the Marjohan, but I do think that uh, we're get like we're closer and closer to just a complete federal legalization, and then at you, that you point, gotta, yeah, and at that point there has to be like a Coors or a Bush, like an Anheuser Bush or yeah, something like I, that that's comes what out. I was, yep. And they'll just they'll make money hand over fist, and I want to be a part of that. I want to buy in when they're like when when one of the most like cleaned up uh, pot stocks is sixteen is on sixteen, and then if the legalization happens, and then they're sixty, you know, smoke them if you got them. Well, right. So I doubled down. Did you play Pokemon Unite yet? No, and I don't think I will. So here's here's what I heard about it that sounds attractive. Uh. The regular player matches are ten minutes, and there's a quick play match that's five minutes. That's a that's a pretty good one. Yeah, um, I could get so this, down this on is that. a MOBA, right? It is a MOBA. It is a Pokemon MOBA, um, where there aren't like lane creeps. There are like some jungle creeps, but mostly it's just like you're going to lane and fighting, fighting the enemy, and then you're trying to like play bat like dunk in their basket. Okay, weird. Um, but but uh, yeah. Ooh, and I- how's this? Throughout the match, your Pokemon's evolve. No, that's a, that's up. a pretty cool one. I, I like and that's that. That's how they that's how they work on like uh, carries and hyper carries, 
right? So, so they have like more. Those, those are like a Charizard where it starts out as a uh, Charmeleon and it's weak, but then you have certain characters like what Growlithe that only needs to evolve one time to be a Ninetales. I mean, nope, that's wrong. Yeah. But I just said that's an Arcanine. Or, or there will be a character that doesn't have any evolutions at all, so they start, they start off pretty strong, powerful, and then they then, they get weaker. Yeah. yeah. So I I could see that kind of working out. And there's a uh, no no real communication, so you don't have to worry about people like trying just to like talk normal. To you. It's, it's not different than than a regular MOBA though. The only real communi- communication in a MOBA is when some when someone starts feeding or or, or says why. There should be a why. You know what? They should they should skip the middleman. Just put a button in the game that says why did you do that? And it's like in a yeah in um in Rocket League. There's a button that's just nice shot. Yes. So people just spam nice shot all the time, whether you did something good or bad. So so how about I I mean I'm on to something here. You can give me a job in the industry if you want, but how about a button like like let, let's say league. You know, and we'll have a quick button that says, why did you do that? And then whenever someone dies on your team, regardless of if you were watching or not, and you knew the circumstances that led to it, you just go, why did you do that? It's an auto-respond button to that that says, go fuck yourself. And then there should be some sort of, there's some sort of, I mean, the, the whole point of the why did you do that button, Mason, obviously, is that you get them typing furiously like there should be so there's that button and then also there's a chat there's a um, voice chat but the voice chat doesn't work like the way you think it would it doesn't record it it doesn't record or anything and it doesn't really you don't hear what they're saying but you do hear the speed at which they're typing so every time they input a keystroke you hear a automated keystroke noise so on the other side so you hear so you hit your why did you do that button and then all of a sudden uh, if they're typing in anything, you hear the clacking of the keys. <laughs> Just like their there, there long-form long response. Or how about this? Pokemon Unite should have voice chat, but it converts all of the voice into the Pokemon you're playing. Oh, so, so okay. Pikachu so you're, so like, you're like, why did you do that? Yeah. Why did you do that? And it's just Pika, Pika, Pika. Yeah. That's a real thing. I'd play that. Yeah, that is pretty good. I would I would love to play that because you would just I would just hear nothing. I would hear nothing of any human being. Maybe maybe you could kind of infer the you know the in, intonation of their voice if if they you know if they're if they're mad it's, pe- it's pika pika like kind yeah, of like something right, like that. Snorlax, yeah. that Snorlax is pissed. That's oh man, our Snorlax is pissed. But why did he do that? He got ganked. Mm-hmm. Right? Why did he do that? I'm kind of curious to play it. I mean, it would be kind of cool to see like what moves they give Snorlax. Yeah. Obviously, it's like a, they make money off of skins, so they got like Snorlax wearing a little like inner tube and sunglasses, like oh, out to the beach. Oh wow! Is that too much? Is that inappropriate for kill- children's? See, that's why they got fined. Okay. If that's the if that's the kind of lewd in that that Tencent wants to put in their games, then I'm behind them. Me too. One hundred ten percent. Snorlax Snorlax in a bikini. Ten percent. One hundred and ten cent percent. Well, so how about games we have? This is, have this is almost video games. Uh, let's, let's talk video games before we talk board games. How does that sound? Okay. I've been playing a lot of video games, so I know people, listen, I know our audience, I know the viewers, I know the listeners, and I know they always like it when we start off the podcast with the newest and hottest video games. Uh, so I've spent a couple hours with Tribes of Midgard. I thought you were going to go in a different direction. If you said that, why oh, set you that thought up I like was that? gonna you thought I was gonna flip the script? I thought you were you gonna. Why would gonna... you Why would you set all that up and then not just talk about like? Just I've been like, playing oh, and Dark now we're Cloud Two. I've been playing Dark Cloud Two. I've been playing Granny on the iOS. 
So I've been playing Tribes of Midgard, and it's such a weird game. I played it for an hour. I've played it for six hours. <laughs> okay, well, and, this is not how video game podcasts work. And looking at videos and looking at, like, tags and looking at even videos that they have put out, they do a really bad job of describing what this video game is. Oh, hell yeah, they do. So on Steam, the reviews for it are currently at 61% positive. And people are just looking at it and they're like, this game is false advertising. It's a roguelike. It's a tower defense. I thought it was a survival game. So people on this podcast are so fortunate because they're going to go into this game knowing exactly what it is. So Tribes of Midgard is a roguelite survival action RPG. That's a lot of things. Uh, So let me tell you a little bit about how it works. First off, there are two game modes. So there is like the saga mode. The saga mode is like your bread and butter. It's like your core game mode uh, where it's much more challenging. And then there's another mode called survival. You don't unlock survival until later on, but that's more of like a sandboxy mode where you're like defining the settings for how the world is set up, yada, yada. But so saga mode, the way that it works is it's kind of like don't starve together where there is like this day and night cycle. And during the day, you are mostly like going out and collecting resources and ingredients in order to prepare for the night. So ultimately what you're doing is you're going out into the world, you're collecting resources, sticks and flint uh, that you're turning into like swords so that you can fight off creatures that come out in the night, uh, which will essentially start attacking your village and start attacking like this uh, seed of Yggdrasil in in your village uh, that you're trying to defend every night. And that's pretty much it. Then in the morning, like... uh, you, you feed it souls. Oh, yeah. So I'm doing a real bad job at explaining this, but it's a very weird game. Uh, but there's a day-night cycle. In the day, you collect things, and now you defend your base. So ultimately, you are, like, collecting a bunch of different resources. The main resource you collect is souls. Have, have you heard of this currency? Yeah, you get them uh, for if, everything. If you die, you lose your souls. Uh, but you get them from pretty much everything. So if you chop down trees... Uh, if you craft gear, if you kill enemies, uh, you get souls. And then you're just like collecting things throughout the world. The world is pretty big. And the idea of it is in the morning, you're also supposed to be like exploring the world and stretching out as far as you can. Uh, because the further out you go, uh, the better the resources will be and the more difficult the monsters will be are. So you're trying to, like, spend the days, like, pushing as hard as you can to, like, get out far, like, find new materials, go back to the base, upgrade your defenses. And your defense isn't just, like, you're putting down walls. You're also uh, building, like, archer towers. And most importantly, you're upgrading the people in your camp. So you have, like, a blacksmith. And when you upgrade the blacksmith, he can craft better things, but also... Uh, he just becomes more powerful. So when you upgrade the blacksmith, uh, you're also like adding defenses to the area where the blacksmith lives. So there's a couple more things going on. So there are classes in the game. Uh, there are eight classes, but you only start with two of them, and you unlock the other six through doing like challenges in the 
in the world. So if you defeat 20 enemies in 10 seconds while playing Saga Mode, uh, you will unlock the Berserker, for example. Or if you find every uh, teleport uh, area, I, I forget what they're called. You find every like rest fast area. Fast travel or whatever, or the um... fast travel. Yeah, you find every fast travel in the in the, the Bifrost map. Bifrost or you something. Get the, the ranger, the Bifrost. That might be something else. The Bifrost is like the way that you leave the world. So while you have all this going on, uh, Jotnar will spawn, which are these massive enemies. They're kind of like uh, raid bosses. Uh, and, and they will spawn in the world, and you don't get to see how far away they are, but you just get to see their direction. So while you're worrying about all this other stuff, you also need to scout out the Jotnar and go to it to understand, like, how far away it is from your base, and then just, like, keep tabs on it, like, and, and you know, like, whittle away its health a little bit. You might not be able, like, depending on how far along you are, you may or may not be able to, like, kill it in one go, but you might be able to, like, all right, uh, the Jotnar is in the direction of this fast travel I have, so I'm going to go out there, uh, deal some damage to him, and then leave. Uh, because ultimately, if the Jotnar gets to your base, it will most likely destroy your village uh, right away, like, with very little time for you to spare. And that's an issue because... When your village is, uh, when when your world seed loses all of its health, um, the game ends. So that is the roguelite element of like, if your world seed loses all of its power, the game ends. Uh, there are like some persistent systems going on in the game. So there are the class unlocks. There is uh, the free battle pass track, and there is also like these saga challenges and achievements that as you unlock them. They're increasing uh, the, the, the things that you can craft in the game and also the things that you start with in the game. So once you get to a certain point in the game, like you've, I don't know, like crafted a, a green item, then you will permanently start out with uh, a sword, a shield, and a full set of armor for your character. So you can skip like the first few minutes of the game where you're just like picking up like sticks and flint. So... Once you've that's done good. that a couple yeah, of times, to... you, you can auto-skip that and just get to the next part of the game. And it, it gets pretty exciting. Like, the classes are pretty cool. Some of the abilities are a little, like, boring. So the the warrior, which is the only class I've been playing, uh, the two most boring abilities are the two first abilities, which are uh, you could choose to increase your sword damage or your axe damage. Oh, nice. Um, wow. But more importantly than that, they... They have abilities like uh, your when you're doing a basic combo, your finishers uh, strike twice. And then later in the chain, you could get like your finishers deal double damage. So at that point, you're dealing like quad tri- quadruple damage if you can get four hits in. They, could, they get things like uh, you can automatically revive yourself uh, if you go down, but it takes a little while. They can prevent fall damage. My One of my favorite abilities they have is... Uh, Mana between weapons is retained when you switch. So that's pretty cool because your spells are tied to the weapons that you have. So you could take like a really fast hitting weapon as your primary and a slow weapon as your secondary, like a club. And then like charge up your mana as on your first weapon, switch over and use like a massive hits with your club. Mm-hmm. And and the weapons feel pretty cool. So um, 
this the the weapon crafting part is kind of monster huntery where you are going to like the desert and you are fighting fire monsters and then you're getting like like you know like uh garnet and like burnt leather and like uh you know like fire stones or something and then you're using that to craft uh like fire armor and like a fire sword and the the fire sword will have you know uh like a like an ability to like put a fiery mine in the ground that will explode when enemies walk over it or like a firewall things like that mm-hmm. and it and it's it's also different so like the the fire sword has different abilities than the fire axe and all of that so there is like a, a lot of like variety that will go on and it, and also the world is procedurally generated which means that first the first time you play through it you might have like a a desert very close to your base and uh or like the next time there might be like a snow area close to your base and, and that'll kind of change what abilities you have and what you'll have access to at the start um and i like all of that there are some things that i don't like so the main thing that i don't like is uh water in the game so there is like water will insta kill you in this game and enemies can like knock you into the water so that feels incredibly lame for the same reason that like a ring out feels bad yeah but but even worse because you lose things in this game when you die um so so i really really hate the water that's why i don't play soul caliber and the other thing is that i i so the difficulty level is is brutal and and like there are there's a few things about it that just feel like they're one patch away from from making things a lot better so on like the fourth day or something uh, a blood moon occurs uh where much stronger enemies uh show up at your base and it happens right around the time where the first jotnar would get to your base if you left him alone completely so th- this feels like an oversight of not realizing that like they scaled the game to happen in this way where this really bad series of events will insta-kill new players. And maybe they did that on purpose of like, we're going to put this tough lesson on players like very early so they understand like the impact of Jotnar and the impact of like Blood Moon. And we'll make them realize that by putting it on both together. Wow. Um, so this is also a seasonal game. So I, I think like every couple months, uh, I don't know if it's like one month or two months or three months, they're going to be uh, releasing a new season, which is going to have uh, new classes, new challenges, uh, new bosses and things like that. So I guess we'll see yeah, that goes. cosmetics too. Oh yeah. And there is like a, there is a cosmetic track and, and cosmetics and things like that. I'm excited to unlock classes. I haven't unlocked classes yet, but there are some really cool looking classes, uh, specifically like the Seer, uh, who has the ability to like slow down and paralyze enemies. Or like the Warden, who has the ability to bi- like quickly build up like magical walls and things like that that seem like they would be really good for defense. I mean, you can build like walls and ramps and things like that. And one thing that is so weird to me, is it, it seems like they almost emphasized like the building aspect of the game in trailers and that is really such a small part of what you do that that maybe like when people are complaining about like this game has false advertising 
I think that that's what they're talking about, where this game shows itself as like, oh, you're building like ramps and you're building walls and you're defending your base with them. And it's like, actually, you're not because the game doesn't even let you place uh, like you can't even place walls like within 20 feet of your base. So it makes I don't know, like that kind of stuff is weird. Yeah, uh, I'm, and I'm it's pretty early also in it. not and it's not a tower defense game, which a lot of people are saying. So the Steam reviews, it, it is weird to me how confused people seem to be on it. But but at the same time, if this many people are confused, then there is definitely an issue. Yeah, it, I guess it's hard sometimes to do something a little unique. Um, I don't know how many games do like roguelite, top-down survival. Like you, Like the initial stuff that you're doing is the very like rust or minecraft kind of thing of running around and punching trees you're, you don't really actually run around and punch trees you get sticks and rocks and then you you uh lumberjack trees like a real person instead of punching them. but um like so so that initial thing looks like you're just going to be doing that but i guess it's more on based around roguelike redoing this kind of stuff it's not you the way you would in maybe a lot of other games like this like in valheim or something you would uh, just keep building up and building up um, and exploring more and uh, building better a, a better base, building better equipment and stuff like that. But this is get more of a game of like you, you're on a time track as the you know every as time goes on the game gets harder and you're meant to like kind of fail at one point and then restart over and so it, it is doing like some kind of different things and I can imagine like that alone is weird for for people because people love um knowing what they're getting into people would love like love just like oh i'm getting into this game because i like rust and this is like rust i'm gonna run around just like a naked viking man and punching trees and if it's not that then they're confused about it and there's people who like roguelites and if they're yeah. spending all their time running around gathering sticks in the beginning they're like this is not a roguelike this is boring um so yeah. so and yeah you got a weird situation trying to sell that to people and i do have an issue uh, with the souls system so when you die uh you drop a chest where you're like most of your materials will will go like end up in this chest and you will lose all of your souls uh so everything that you do requires souls including uh repairing your equipment so like dying when like your sword or something breaks like feels terrible like it feels like you are getting to like this very challenging, nearly unwinnable situation. But but I actually think like one of the worst is uh, so to get through the hot cold zones and the cold zones, it requires uh, potions. So you need like a heat potion or a ice potion. And if you die in a zone that requires one of those potions, you don't you have the lose, materials. You lose your materials for those things. And then like if you can't get your stuff back, it sucks. Um, and for the most part, like you don't have to worry too much about that happening because uh, the zones, they don't kill you right away. So you can kind of skirt in there, get your stuff and leave. Uh, but it can be, and, and you can also prepare for it. There is like a chest where you could like craft extra ones and do that. But ultimately one of your biggest resources in this game is time. So it's it's about being like very efficient with your time, you know what I mean? Yeah. Because like, yeah, well, night I, is always coming. Yeah, like that. Like the fact that night comes means that you always like 
have something that you have to get ready for and it's, it gets harder every night so you have to be somewhat ready to get right back to the base and defend it when night comes yes. yeah um I, I, man i i don't know i i feel like i i, I get what what developers want to do especially in a survival game um i'm glad it's out of monster hunter with the um you know like hot and cold drinks and shit but i i feel like i'm some that it somewhat drives me crazy uh it's not a realistic thing i i don't even i i'm not sure like in real life we don't go you don't like take a nice beverage into a desert and then you just sip on the beverage and you're good like it just it's kind of a ridiculous in thing. fact that would be pretty bad for you yeah if anything you should be drinking warm water yeah um but it it doesn't it's just a weird thing and i don't know why games like to do that i, I it's it's a weird it's just like a obnoxious thing Maybe if, if they're like if you if you want to say that like there's clothes that you should wear for the environments, I'm a little bit more yeah. like maybe, down with maybe it. Maybe that is a thing. The, so the trade off is that by going into those areas and preparing, like you are really getting much more powerful, much faster by going. So that is like the trade off of like I'm going to go into this dangerous area, but the reward is going to be like yeah. amazing. You know what I mean? But yeah. but I but I do agree with you like that that the the cost there is massive but I but I do think that the that that is also like a it's a tedious it's it's like a tedious thing sometimes like the hot and cold drinks it's just annoying but um, it is absolutely totally but uh, uh I don't even know if you said this so far I feel like you jumped right into some of the other stuff like it has a great style I really like the way it looks it's definitely oh, like yeah. a, it's something like a super eye catching style. It's a, it's the kind of style where I would recommend people like look at a trailer of, of it. it. It's it's almost like comic book or painterly. Um, it's like, like a lot of really really bright colors and black outlines. So it, it it has a nice kind of thing going for it. Even like all the um, materials have like this really good like very crisp high def um, like uh, thumbnail for it. So uh, I I I do like it. I do want to play That's all more true. so far. Uh, yeah, it is, it is a, a good looking game. Um, I'm excited to see where it goes. You know, these, it, it does feel like more and more games are coming out and feeling unfinished. And yeah, this has that... been an ever present situation. Like it's unfinished it's and also like, time. well, you know, you know, it's, it is kind of bullshit from a, uh, it, it's not even unfinished. It's that, uh, things are, uh, like season pass thing. It, things things have trended more towards um, that infinite conf content that we always talk about a a uh, a, a constant upkeep kind of a game, lifestyle a game. lifestyle game where where every game kind of wants you to come back to it at like either play it every single day or at the very least like come back to it for the major patches and one of the easiest ways to do this obviously is just uh you know patching it uh pretty frequently or especially having like a seasonal thing because then it, it it's a very big change it's a sudden and big change and it's something yeah. that you can make the player aware of beforehand if you if you if you sell players on that idea of a season then you can usually retain a lot of them um they'll they'll quit a couple weeks before the new season and then they come back when the new season and they're aware that there's a big patch if you just try and do a regular um updated game but you don't have seasons then players might not know if they fall off the game then sometimes they might not hear about a patch but if you have seasons then it's a consistent kind of thing like Path of Exile fans are going to be aware that like a new season will come out in a couple months, um, and that's not a surprise. But uh, every game hey, trending. Did you in know? Yeah, did you know that Path of Exile had a new season just come out? I did know. Everyone hates. They call it. them leaks. 
Uh, people don't hate the season. People hate the changes. changes. And the people who hate it are uh, Redditors. And the Reddit community for Path of Exile, uh, as the game has grown larger, uh, the Reddit community has become worse and worse. Whinier and whinier. They're all very concerned about... I don't even know how to express, like, explain all of the things that they're upset about. Uh, the game, it, GGG is trying to slow down the game and is trying to uh, find ways to curb power creep, and the community is upset about it. Um, I have never been uh, a min-maxer in this game. My My way of approaching this game has always been... Uh, I'm going to try to make a build and the joy that I derive will be like trying to put something together that will make the build work. And I, I feel like a lot of the Reddit community, they're not very creative. They look to play the most meta builds and then they just get like, I don't know, they get frustrated when things that they've been doing for leagues and leagues uh, stop working, yeah. you know, that, that... which... To me, it seems so boring. Like, why do people just want to do the same shit over and over? When, mm -hmm. like, the, the the core of Path of Exile for me has always been uh, how, I don't know, the systems of the game let me express different, like, fantasy of, of like, build design. Yeah. And the some of the, the new abilities, I mean, people can complain all they want about, you know, the direction of the game, but the other thing is that they added 19 new gems to the game. And some of the gems that they added are like pretty original. So uh, one of the gems that they added and the one that I'm playing with is called Blade Trap. And I, I don't know if non-Path of Exile people are gonna care about this, but the thing that makes Blade Trap special is that all traps before have been spells. So they've all scaled with spell damage. Which means that there are certain ways that you would always build it. But Blade Trap is the first trap uh, that is an attack. So the way that it works is that you're actually uh, throwing clones of your weapon onto the ground uh, that's, that like activate and start spinning. Like So they're little like phantoms of your weapons. So it totally changes the way that you build because now you're making considerations of uh, you want to get powerful weapons. Like, it's, it's not about, okay, I'm a spellcaster, so I'm going to get, like, a staff or, like, wands and scale my magic. Now it's like, okay, I'm I'm building a trap character, but the considerations on gear are totally different. Which also means, like, you know, the hundreds of, or I don't know if it's hundreds or dozens of unique weapons uh, are, are going to, like, totally change the way that I build the, the character. So, you know, for example, like you could go poison weapons and then make a poison blade trapper. And, and it's something that like, you know, it wasn't available before. And that, that's just one of the 19 gems. Yeah. There's also other considerations of things that they buff. So, for example, uh, they increased the poison damage in the game by 50%. So now poison is like a far more viable option. And it wasn't the only buff. They actually buffed a ton of the base damage of skills. Yeah. Um, I think it's interesting. There's a really good video. I don't know if you've ever watched Game Maker's Toolkit. I, I absolutely love that series. Um, it, it, like, it's a 
designer who uh, like like talks to other designers and big companies and um, gets their opinion on on different aspects of game creation or community or like the way that their community talks them and everything like that. Um, I, I think it's really fascinating. There's an episode call called um, "How Developers Save You from Yourself" and "How De- How Designers Protect You from Yourself." And it's such a fascinating episode because designers have to think really hard about like ga- like gamers are especially the more you play and the more you understand about video game kind of like uh, you know language and. And, and how games try to like teach you their systems, the more that like inherently you learn to break them. There's just like fat there. I, I, I talk about like a book called uh, Everything Bad is Good for You. And love that book. And, and there's interesting stuff about how uh, gamers are extremely problem solve oriented and like like learn want to like learn the exact methodologies of a system so that they can break it by its very own rules. Like there was an interesting thing about like. Uh, they 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 gave people a quiz to do uh, they were doing they were they were researching like online quizzes in schools in like when they had first implemented online quizzes and like apparently like a lot of gamers had realized like people who play video games ha- would find abuses for the system because like you you poke and prod at systems to kind of figure out how they work and how you can break them to your advantage and and apparently like a lot of gamers had figured out that while doing this test you could uh hit the back button so if you knew that like you had gotten a question wrong uh or later on you uh a question would kind of answer a question uh earlier in the test they knew that they could like uh go backwards on the html page and uh, and uh re-answer questions and stuff like that uh so it just it was it was a lot about how there's one whole segment about how zelda and and how um, yeah, gamers are great at looking but at all the, the things. The viewers don't know, so you should yeah. tell them. But oh, there's a section about how 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 uh, you know the, one of the main things that games teaches you t- that games teach you to do, especially like single player games, is uh, they they give you like the Zelda example of like they give you a room and you look around the room and you see what is available to you and you poke and prod at like like okay so there's a switch over here but i have to figure out how i'm gonna hit it so the point being is like that's the thing that gamers practice for their whole life is like different uh is is the abuse of different systems um but the problem is that uh if you give gamers like an easy way to abuse a system for their benefit they're gonna take it every time they'll do it every single time and they won't ever want to switch um, because they they just think like this has worked for me and this is how I abuse the system. It's almost like it it's it, it almost like the path of exile problem reminds me of like it, it, in World of Warcraft like the the, the especially with the South Park episode they talk about how like the the boys end up killing Elwyn Boars for like a million yeah. levels and you can't do that. Like I think early on in Warcraft you could actually do something like that, but. They made it so that at one point it doesn't give you experience anymore because like that's not fun. Like there, if you if you give people that option, they might actually just find it the safer option, and they might just like do the most boring thing. And, yeah, that works. and 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 people will go along and say like, well, you don't have to play it like that. Like the game isn't bad because that exists. Like you don't have to play with that. But it's like all games, all online games are inherently competitive. You're always in some way compete. Like Path of Exile is a single player. Is like you know, it, you could play solo, self-found. Like you could like do like I mostly play by myself. 
and there's no there's no like PvP in the main mode, but it is competitive. Like there's a trade system, and being rich uh, is it is part of the competition, right? Yeah. So people will play the strongest, dumbest characters uh, because it will make them rich. Yeah, like if a build. It makes sense. It, it's hard for... It's, I definitely understand it being hard for grinding gear games. Like, they have all these systems where uh, people have abused it. Like, the Flask system in, in Path of Exile is a really good example of it. Like, there's there's Flask in the game, and the initial two Flasks you kind of get are a Health Flask and a Mana Flask. And for people who haven't played, um, like, that's how you recover your health or mana. And as you're killing enemies, the Flasks fill... Um, but the flasks in the like later game get way more complicated. Uh, you also you like early on, for example, you get a flask that makes you run fast. Um, and late late game, uh, there's flasks that, that do all these different things that like make you invulnerable or make you have like iron skin and or increased damage or I'm not even sure what all the flasks do. But there's tons of different like special legendary flasks. And what happens in the late game is that people have builds that kind of revolve around them, and then they just they they piano they like keep they just like hit their all their flask buttons almost at once. Yeah, and it, because the flasks recharge as you kill monsters. So if you kill monsters fast enough, you get more flask charges. And if your flasks are up, it's easier for you to kill monsters. So you can imagine a situation, especially like in an ARPG, where um, they just like people just pull a ton of enemies and they just keep running and exploding packs. And then while the enemies are even, like, trying to come up to them, they're just mashing on the flasks. They kill enemies. They keep getting their flasks back. They're just mashing on their flasks. There's no thought to it. They're they're just pianoing it. People joke on the um, the Path of Exile subreddit about putting, like, a piece of, like, wood or something across your, your, uh, your flask keys so you can just mash them all at once. Like, what? That's... It's... It's... It's funny, like, it, people joke about it, but then they're, they would be upset that, like, those kind of things are being removed. Like, why would you... This is the way we've always done it. We've always just, like, had a build where you mash out your flasks, and it's to the point where people make jokes about, like, 3D printing a piece of plastic that goes across your, like, one through five keys or whatever, so you can just mash them all. Um, but designers have to see that kind of stuff and just say, like, this is awful. Like, why do you... Do you like, like it's it's gotten to a point where... If people are doing that, like, why do we want to allow this? Is that fun? Like, this is not that. This is not good. Or the stuff you always talk about of like, there's if there's a safe build, then you can you can if they can they can release as many new types of builds or new types of gems as they want. But if there's an old build that continues to work every single league and they don't touch it, then the one thing that the people with the old build going into the league know is that. This works. The other one, the other gems might need might need to be theory crafted. They might not work. They might work, but w- require certain items. But if it's an old build that works, you know why why change it? But then why ever have fun? Like I don't know. Like it, like there's no there's no incentive to try something new or have fun if something old always works. It's it's an interesting problem. It's it's a it's a hard thing that grinding gear games has to uh, a balancing act that they have to deal with. I feel like I, I'm on that side of just like release Path of Exile too. I, yeah, I, like that's when you can make the biggest changes and uh, really shake things up, and then people shouldn't necessarily have as much skin in the game going in. Of like, I understand things are going to be different. I understand that you change that kind of stuff. If you if you if Path of Exile is one way in a league, and then it's completely different in another league 
then of course even if even if that change is for the player's benefit is to add diversity or make the game more interesting they're still going to be upset because they were like this is what i've done yeah but i think that this is also like they're they're talking about like this is like we're trying to figure out like the balance of all of these things before path of exile 2 comes out yeah so i think that that's you know they're kind of delaying that because they want to make sure that when it does come out that it is like you know they're expecting it to be massive right path of exile uh it's getting more and more popular but it it was not like hyped when it first came out right like it wasn't like oh shit this is a this is the diablo killer that you know that people thought of or something like that but I, but i think that that is what they're expecting for path of exile too so for that reason uh i, I think that that's why they're being so uh you know, slow and incremental about like these things of like we're going to do these changes this patch and another set next patch and I think that's that on the Path of Exile thing. Yeah, um, I have been playing a bunch of games. Oh, I thought you said you haven't been. Make up your mind. I've been playing Death's Door, Counterside, and Punishing Gray Raven. In, in addition to why, our, why are you saying three games? You in, our, play... in addition to talk our... about all three of them at once then. Okay, so I was going to try and do something where I'm, like, garbling my words. But uh, uh, the couple of those I could say pretty quick. Um, Punishing Grey Raven is a iOS, a, a Android, a mobile game that recently came out. Um, it's a miserable name for a game. Uh, yeah, it's not great. Um, it's It's been one of the more hyped ones on the gotcha side of things. Of, of It came out, I believe, a year ago. Um, and uh, to good acclaim... I think I want to say I, I can't I forget if it's Japan. It might be Japan. Um, but uh, Kuro Games uh, developed it. Uh, but it, it it did well in its in in its home area, and it, it I probably it was just Korea. The more I think about it, just because they it's one of where, where most of the gotcha games come out. But um, it did pretty well. It's gotcha. a it's a super actiony game. It's uh it plays really well. It it plays surprisingly well. It actually is one of the better looking games, and it it kind of just runs at a completely smooth um like it kind of almost feels like 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 40 or so frames i don't know if it's just a a completely smooth 30 and it never hitches so it feels a little better than uh it might be but um it's an action game um and it's an action gotcha game uh the kind of cool unique twist on it is that uh you have there's an attack button and there's a dodge button Uh, dodging at the right time enters what they literally call a matrix mode that slows down time and lets you get in more hits um and the attack button, as you're attacking, you uh, build up these pings. There's, it's, it, it's going to be almost. It's so simple. It's such a good, elegant design. It's so smart. I want to see it in a better non-gacha game. Um, but every character has a red, yellow, and a blue attack. Um, usually, the red is like just damage. Uh, usually, the yellow is like damage and an effect. And usually, the blue is more of like. Uh, a specialty kind of thing sometimes and some characters i think it's more of like a movement uh thing or uh an attack move or a counter attack kind of stuff um so anyway uh as you're attacking that you can imagine one lane and the orbs just keep falling down in it like uh red yellow yellow red blue like that um and whenever they're uh you can if if the orbs are next to each other uh if it's one, if you're hitting just one of that color and it's not next to any more of that color, then it does a weak version of that move. If you hit two, then it's a medium, and then three is a the the most powerful version of that move you can do. 
So it's this kind of like interesting, like you're as you're attacking, you're you're getting these kind of setups of these orbs that are, that are dropping uh, into this lane and trying to min max how you're going to use them. So maybe you see like there's two reds next to each other, a blue and a red. Um, so right. you, you could hit the two. It's very, red. it's very hard to visualize. I, I know, I knew this would be hard so, to visualize. So, that's so what, what is the name of this game pun, again? Punish, so that people fo- can follow along. Punishing Gray Raven. Punishing Gray Raven. Yeah. So, so I knew that this would be hard to visualize the way I'm, ex- I'm, I'm describing it. So I'm going to make this very simple example. Um, let it's it like I said, the one lane and there's yellow, red, and blue attacks, and you want to in three of the same color would do the most damage. Am I fighting monsters? You're what fighting. I, you're fighting robots. It's it's the exact okay. story of Near. It's uh, the exact story of Near um, Automata. Uh, the, the like you play as a commander who is in a space station overlooking a mission, and you're communicating with these androids that are built to kill androids that have gone out of control because of the Punishing Gray Raven or the Gray Raven. No, no, Punishing the Punishing Virus, and you are the Gray Raven unit. It's a horrible name. Yeah, I agree with you. Um, anyway, so. On, so for how the game works, uh, like I said, when you're attacking, you're building up these orbs, and if you hit more three of them at once, it does the most effect. So the good way you can think of it is, like I said, the one lane with the orbs coming down it, and let's say there's two red next to each other, one blue, and then a red. Um, if you hit the two red, you can do the, the, the medium version of that attack. But if you hit the blue, then the two red will start touching the, that, the, uh, the one red, and then it, it, you can make a three red. Does that make any sense? Like, you're... Like, sure. you can think so, of it as, like, a one lane, almost, of, like, a match three. Sure. So, who would you recommend this game to? Like, what is this game like? Um, this... It's very action-y. I, it, it's, like, I think there are a lot of people who would kind of dig it, because it's the most action that I've seen on, like, the iOS. It's really fast, like, attacking and dodging, and feels really responsive. Um, well, you wait until Pokemon Unite comes to mobile. Yeah, but and that'll be the most action, and it'll be the most action for your stock portfolio. But I don't want to um, spend too much more time with it. Uh, it's uh, it, it get, gotcha gamers are fickle; they're always looking to hate on a game. And at this point in my gotcha lifetime, I am looking to hate on a game. Um, and there was just like you know, there's some annoyance with the uh, initial kind of event that came out with the game. It, like it was a little bit better for the. I guess it was probably did you, a Chinese. Did you account. spend money on it? Um, uh, five dollars for like a monthly pass thing where you get, um, it's like the you know that best value kind of like log in every sure. day and get a thing. Um, uh, I I was almost gonna spend more, but I don't know how much more um uh, time I'll always spend. I'll, I'll spend with it. Like I I think it's yeah. Are you still playing Genshin? Uh, I fell off of Genshin actually. Uh, oh, I. I I, I, I never talked about it on the podcast, but I actually quit uh, Epic 7, which was like I had been playing for like two and a half years. It was a it was a wild thing for me to quit. It felt like just losing so like what's such a weird like part of my routine every day. Um, uh, what what was the uh, what was the reason if uh, there was one? I, I guess the, the main reason was that um, I, I guess I wasn't really like I wasn't keeping up as much with like the new stuff that was coming out. Um, there was like. You know, there's new content coming out, and uh, I didn't feel like, even after as much time as I'd played, like, I didn't really want to put in some of the more time. Like, what what I ended up, near the end, the last couple of months that I was playing with playing it, I was logging in to do, like, the daily grind, to do what was being asked of me, that, like, you kind of have to do the, the daily, like, do your, 
um, five PvP missions, do um, uh, five of the story missions, do um, five of the hunts, and do all these kind of things. So I just kind of like had a groove where I would just knock out my daily stuff, get the daily rewards, do anything that I had to do on like the login or do the event kind of stuff, and then be out of it. And especially around the time that like Valorant, like when Valorant was out more, when we started playing it more and had like a big group, um, I, I kind of, when I was at home, it was like, I didn't, I, I was, I was playing less of it. Um, also when I was, uh, with my, with my ex, like I, I didn't have any real like, game stuff over her house. So that was my kind of thing where it was like, if I had free time or she was busy with something, or I was waiting for her to come home. Um, then I would, I would get to like the new content. I would like do some of like the stuff that wasn't just the daily upkeep, like the grinding stuff. Like I would do some story stuff or, um, try to like push further in like hard content or like raid stuff. Um, but when I, but when we broke up and when I was also busier at home with like playing games with friends, I, I just didn't have the kind of drive to play it as its own thing. Um, as much, I just was more just keeping up with like the daily grind and, one of the things that kind of was bumming me out was that I, I was like in a in a guild, like a pretty okay guild, and we had to like log in to do PvP stuff all the time, and that that it just kind of like annoyed. It was a part of my day of just like, oh fuck, it's like the the guild versus guild today. I forget if it is. I that's a 15 minutes that I have to like do this thing today, and it, it felt like it definitely got to being like more of a chore. There's there's an element of chore that you want almost as a gotcha sure. gamer of like there's a element of like routine where it's like login get all your login rewards do the 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 but the different diverse things that they're kind of asking for you to do see like the growth of your characters oh t yesterday i wasn't able to clear this kind of thing but finally i've been working for months on this getting this character or getting this piece of equipment and now i've gotten what i need to make them strong enough to be able to push to this new content and so like i like all those aspects but I guess it just um, it just got like way too routiney and way too much of like a bother, um, sure. and, and I wasn't really liking it as much. But it's kind of it's weird because it's been uh, it's been a couple months that I haven't played it, and and I almost just want it again. Like I almost kind of just want that again. Like I want a, a gotcha game these days more than I did back when I was playing it. When I was playing it, I was happy with that, and I I was a little bit like I had settled down with just playing a little bit of Genshin in that. In, in epic seven uh sure. rather why than why do you why exactly do you want a, a gotcha game i don't know like i like i i like that that hunt that like look for like new characters or um that that the the, the this like long kind of slow progression the 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 and the, that it's on your phone too that it's this constant thing everywhere like you're standing in line for somewhere like pull out your phone quick and uh have like a good uh, iOS game and you know, like I would work for months on things like it, it it was like it was very subtly rewarding of of like having all these different plates in your head that you're spinning oh like oh, I'm gonna get this character um like leveled up and geared up and ascended to be able to push through this content and then you know like you'd have all these different things you were working on all at the same time um and seeing one of them come to fruition or like and like how that would impact your account or how that would be able to make you go further was like always like really interesting stuff and i also really like f for those games i got like super min maxi of just like this is my character that is designed specifically for this content and i have all like all of their gear for this and i have all their their um like stats and everything like all ready to be able to push this exact kind of like raid 
with them like i've designed them to be basically build like built like exactly for this purpose and seeing it all come together was was pretty cool um and and that, ga- that so, game so is that up. why do you think that's why you uh got into monster hunter as much as you did because of like that min maxi uh build style or what do you what do you think i don't know i think this because this... i also because also like that became your like mobile game for a while right yeah, I was playing that. The other thing, actually, another kind of thing that had killed Gotcha for me is that uh, I started reading a lot again. I think that was actually probably the thing that killed it the most at, now that I'm thinking about it. Is like a lot of these things, like not being at my ex's house, um, uh, not uh, playing more games online with friends, like when Valorant or uh, uh, like any of their kind of games we'd play uh became bigger it was like i had less time at home for like that was what i wanted to do i I would way rather play valorant than uh than epic seven um and the few times that i would would maybe be at work um especially when i didn't like my partners as much um i've I've generally always liked my partners though a lot and uh but but some of my partners used to talk a little bit less my current partner that i've had since covid is like extremely talkative and that's not a problem um we get along extremely well, but because he's so talkative, I feel weird when I'm on my phone because like he's talking and then he'll just, and then he'll be, and then I'll, I just like won't respond to something. Cause I suddenly get like interested in something in the game. And then he's just like, it, it, it's like slightly annoyed. And it's like, I get it actually. Like, you know, we're sitting in this bus the entire day. Like, and if you're driving, you got nothing else to do. Like you want to talk and i so, so i would i would put my phone he, away do you switch off on driving like no no we have a kind of a thing where he just always drives and i'm always in the back okay um and then so uh, does that mean you're dealing with like the the patient or whatever and yeah the i'm always dealing with the patient um but it, it, it doesn't it's not like all the time because when we first get the patient there's a lot of stuff we'll do in the back together um if there's especially if it's like a more serious call um, there's a lot of stuff we got to do in the back together. And then once we, once everything's stabilized, he drives and I'm in the back in route. Do you ever tell be like, Hey patient, you got to shut up. I'm trying to talk to my partner. No, I mean, we don't talk over the, uh, like, like, like we're talking, we're more talking when we're in the front. Like I, I can't hear him that well when I'm in the back, but, uh, then, so, so you just have to yell. Yeah. What? So, so I said, uh, do you want Burger King? What? The patient's like, I'm bleeding. No. Quite that. Wait, do you want fries, patient? We got cheese fries. This is good stuff. This is good this stuff. Is good content. So the few moments that I really get to myself or like I'm in a bathroom, uh, yeah. I, I started reading more again. And I've been like... You read on, in the bathroom? On a tear. I read in the bathroom. In case you run out of toilet paper. <laughs> in case I run out of toilet paper. I'm reading a shitty enough Mercom... No. Um, I've read... I've been reading uh, since, like, uh, I was reading Blood Meridian, I think, like, last year. And and since I started reading, when I read Blood Meridian, I loved it so much that, like, it got me back reading again. And then you recommended me a good book, and I've just been on this big tear of good books. I'm reading an awesome book uh, called uh, Gun with Occasional Music by John Lethem, Jonathan Lethem. Uh, Just the quick and dirty on that is that it's in a future Oakland where... Uh, all this like crazy it's like very noir futuristic noir but like ve- the world is like very fucked up like the main character is a detective who's just constantly snorting lines of drugs and uh the government has like these karma cards like, whenever you do anything bad uh they lower your karma um and if you get low enough then they basically just pin a murder on you and throw you in jail and there's like there's all this like crazy science where half of the people are just animals um like they they have a drug that 
they the scientists thought that babies stayed young and boring too long and that they were too loud and kids are too loud outside so they gave them drugs to make them grow up faster so they be- could get a job quicker and become a part of society but because of the drug the baby's heads don't get smaller they kind of like stay baby faced for a long time so they're called baby heads and if you give the drugs to animals it makes them um basically human like so one of the first characters he encounters like gave the drugs to a kitten and like they're kind of like have this surrogate child kitten that stands on two legs and is like vocal and speaks english but is a cat wearing a dress and like he's in an elevator with like a a cow it's fucking crazy it's nuts and he's just always doing drugs it is it is a very weird book and he's just always doing drugs um but yeah so i've uh, I've been reading a lot, so that has been a better endeavor. Um, that has felt like a better endeavor, and that also replaces my, like, like when I would take a bathroom break or something or go to the bathroom, that was a fantastic time to do some of your dailies in a um, in a phone game. Um, so, yeah, I've been, like, there, there's been all these death by a thousand cuts, it, and by the end it was just, like, a lot of nights I wouldn't get to, I'd be too busy to touch it, and then by the very end of the night, I'm like right about to go to sleep and then realizing like, oh shit, I haven't done my dailies. Hold on. I got to be up like another 15 minutes. I got, let's see if I can bang these out really quickly. And that's not where you want to be. You know, like that's not where you don't want to feel like you have to stay up another 15 minutes to be able to do dailies. It's a weird life to live. Um, so, so yeah, but, but I do kind of want something like Genshin was, was good because the dailies were pretty minimal. Um, but I don't know, like there was... I, I still didn't want to do them. I still didn't want to do them, and I didn't want that fear of missing out of, like, of like you missed your dailies today. Sure. You could have gotten, like, a little bit of free stuff. You feel like, like, how am I going to make this up? Like, I like you know, you got to do that kind of stuff. And, yeah. um, and also, the earlier Genshin content was really, really surprising me with how... And I've talked on this podcast, so this shouldn't be a secret, but but was really surprising me how good the narratives was narratives were and the the individual character stories were where that really shined they would have like they would always kind of shine a light on the character and paint the character as like a much deeper more interesting character than what they usually showed throughout the story and yet especially the usual playing of the game started to get really really old and uh like some of the the last event that i had seen like this lantern festival you're you play as this character that this it's not even from this dimension like it's you're from a different pocket dimension in which you're like a demigod and when you come to this world in tevat you are able to like normally people have to get like chosen by a god to have elemental powers but your character just is able to learn them and is like this magical character that everyone is like saddling with their problems you're like the silent protagonist that everyone is like oh i want you to find my cat yeah and that shit fucking grinds me so hard and when it was doing that kind of stuff every day and when they had new updates and it's like here's some new content and you still have characters that are like hey could you deliver a letter to me across the world i'm a fucking demigod why would you do that why would you tell me to do that and it was driving me crazy like why would you so i i want to talk about this and, and I and I specifically want to start talking about another game, and and because the game the the book that you were talking about was really the segue that I wanted. Okay. To talk again about Cruelty Squad. Okay, go which for has, it. Which has which has terrific writing. So I've been playing a lot of Cruelty Squad, and it's actually got some elements that remind me of Dark Souls. Obviously, Dark Souls didn't cultivate this. 
but there is this sort of element of uh, finding items like weird key items that are allowing you to do other things and find like all these weird secrets. So when you were talking about the um, the writing of Genshin Impact, it, it made me want to uh, read you some of the writing for the story missions in Cruelty Squad. Okay. So <clears throat> one of the secret missions that I found, and the way that I found this secret mission uh, sounds like some weird bullshit of... I was in this level, and the level is uh, called Androgen Assault, where you are assaulting a police station that is in a castle that has a cult living above it. But there is a guy at the start of the quest of the quest who just essentially like he is an enemy with a flashlight, and he is the first enemy in the game that can't kill you. But you get a flashlight, and it doesn't really do anything except that there is a much earlier level where there is this completely dark basement uh, where you can't really explore it, but now that you have this flashlight, you could go back and as one of your... You can essentially choose to take a flashlight instead. But anyways, so going through like this dark area that requires you to like do all of this other weird shit uh, gets you to a level called the Dark World. And the level description for the Dark World is Sir John Oliver II, the primordial engine of suffering, the punishment encryptor of the lower planes, is bored. Again, he has requested us to entertain him by breaking into his mansion and killing him. Oh, nice. So here's here's my my favorite one, and I think I've 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 talked about this one before, but the level Sin Space Engineering. It has come to our attention that the CEO of Advanced Orbital Instruments has been doing too good a job trying to increase the survival rate of our mission to Mercury, currently estimated at around 20%. This simply won't do, as it is first and foremost a sacrificial mission designed to satiate the appetites of some of our higher-ups. Once you get rid of him, we'll be free to install our own CEO, who is more correctly attuned to the concept of mass-scale human sacrifice. Yeah. So in Cruelty Squad, you are playing as uh, a hitman who works for uh, the up, like the upper echelon, like the hyper one percent, where you are just their assassin, and the targets you are taking out are, is strictly to like increase market value of things. Uh, but it is like this really like weird and disgusting looking game. But but it is just amazing. Like the there are so many weird and bizarre secrets. There is a wall that you there there's essentially like a door that you can only get through uh by changing your resolution to like six forty by four eighty. Wow. And then like this wall opens up that gives you access to the shrine of the divine light. And if you are attuned to the shrine of divine light, uh and you do not die, uh, you can walk through divine light doors, which give you access to uh, different routes through levels, like secret weapons, uh, it un- and it opens like secret stages. And it just like the, uh, the style of this game, like this game is just like dripping this weird style of like at any time during the game, uh, you can access the stock market and as you kill people, you can, uh, depending on if you have divine light or not, uh, you can consume their bodies uh, 
to regain a little bit of health, but then to pick up their organs. And the organs all have a market value. And depending on the things that you've done recently in the game, uh, the market value on items will increase and decrease. One of the most expensive items in the game is called the Eye of Corporate Insight. And the description on it is, is just melt into the ancient power of the markets. And what it does is it just increase, increases the rate at which the market fluctuates. So if you do something that alters the market, then it will dramatically alter the market. And one of the other, like one of the biggest key weapons of the of like the game that totally changes things is the Grappendix, which is essentially you are an additional external intestine for climbing and swinging. So it just like, once you get it, it totally changes the approach to levels because whereas before you would have to be like slowly creeping around places uh, to try to get to like the top floor, you can literally like Spider-Man your way up a wall and just like kick through a window. And like, as you progress through the game, like your your arsenal is just becoming so insane. At this point, I have access to like these gas grenades where there is this level where you have to like scale this pyramid uh, to get into like this corporate guy's office. But once I got like this gas grenade launcher, at the start of the level, I can just aim the gas grenade up to the top of his window, like shoot through it and then like eliminate, eliminate him instantly. And like there is a bit of like you're playing levels over again to get higher scores or to just like generate monies or to manipulate the market. And all of it is like in the lore of the game because when you kill people, uh, the ultra rich have access to body regeneration. So the idea of replaying levels is actually like written into the story of the game. And now my, my character is becoming so in insanely powerful and weird, but I, I am still, there are parts of levels that have enemies that are too strong for me to kill. Where like, okay, despite the fact that I have like these insane maneuvers and weapons, I don't have enough like damage or I don't have like the right kind of weaponry to take these guys out yet. So I need to like double back and uh, or like I need to progress more uh, through the main story before I go back to these levels and go down these alternate paths to get things. So it it is a weird game. Like definitely nothing like that. Know, yeah, for people who don't know what Cruelty Squad is, it is uh, sort of a Deus Ex uh, Hitman style game uh, where you are essentially like given a target that you need to assassinate and then there are multiple routes through the levels but it is also just like full of secrets but also if you look at screenshots of this game uh you'll notice that the art style is like insane and bizarre but but because of that because it's so weird and bizarre it actually makes the secrets like so much crazier because there will be like doors that you do not realize are doors and like y'all y'all like come out of the other end of like this very long route through a level to realize oh there was a door here all along that they've just hidden in plain sight so it's really fun when you like go back into the level because you're like trying to unlock a weapon or something and then you just like have access to this hidden door that you didn't realize before mm -hmm. but uh playing through the game is also like you you do have to be okay with the way that the game looks but also 
some of the soundtrack is outstanding. Some of it is just like amazing. Do you know who did it? Uh, the soundtrack, uh, let me see. I wonder if it's someone popular. Cruelty Squad, uh, Cruelty Squad composer, uh, Vil Calio. So I don't know what else he has done. Let's see. What else has Vil Calio done? I don't know what else he's done. Uh, because when I look it up, it's just a lot of stuff with Cruelty Squad. Uh, I recommend this game. Uh, there is nothing like it. Um, it is very, I mean, it is so like like I think a lot of people are gonna look at this game and and think that it is like meme garbage, uh, and, and then there is other people who are going to say like it's postmodern, and it absolutely is postmodern. Like this is definitely a game that has been informed by the creation of other games, and is definitely a game that is more enjoyed if you have played other games and you know what it's trying to say. And I think that there are people who are going to look at this and just be like, this game is just trying to, um, you know, if it if it didn't have this art style, like it, people wouldn't be talking about it. But I think that that's also like totally untrue. And and I think that the art style is also part of what the game is trying to say, because it is also like the description of this game is an immersive power fantasy simulator with tactical stealth elements set in a sewer infused garbage world. But, but it is also, like, supposed to be disgusting because what your character is doing is, like, so disgusting. Like, not even just, like, from a you're murdering people situation, but, like, you are working for the ultra-rich, you are harvesting organs, you are banking on the fact that organs are going to get more expensive uh, because you are creating a need for organs because of how many people uh, you're killing. And then their bodies need to be like reconstituted. Uh, so it works in all these ways. And uh, I, I think that this game is going to be like a cult classic. Like, I think the people are going to be talking about this game for a long time. I think that this game is going to spawn like an, a genre of, of games like this. And maybe it'll be games that look like this. Maybe it'll be games that. Um, just like play like this, like more immersive Sims, but we'll see. Um, but Cruelty Squad, I, I think that this is going to be a lot of people's game of the year. Mm -hmm. I'm glad that you're that you're loving it, and I'm glad that it's, it's wild. Um, yeah. If that's all you have about Cruelty Squad, I will tell you what else I've been. Playing. Tell me about uh, Death's Door. Death's Door is such a cool game. I really like it. It's it's a, uh, I guess it's like a. Uh, it's developed by Acid Nerve, who made Titan Souls. That's their only other game that they've made. Um, That's a is, good game. And this is not at all like that, but it's published by Devolver. Um, the game is uh, very stylized. It's it's got this really great look. Um, it almost kind of reminds me, and it would make it. It also is a good parallel uh, for that recent Link's Awakening remake. Um, it's oh, yeah? got that kind of like heavy uh, uh, background blur kind of. Um, so that like in it like a it's interesting the way it looks on a foreground it almost looks like a sho like it's taking place in a shoebox or something. But um, uh, you play as a reaper, um, which is this adorable little crow that uses a a, a sword, uh, and you're tasked with like like the the reaper is like the school um like you're you're a part of like the just you know, like the grim reaper reaper organization kind of where you have to end things lives um. 
the writing is very cute actually uh about this kind of stuff but uh, but all the topics kind of deal with like death or or like ending something else's life and like dark stuff but done like very lightheartedly uh the way it kind of plays is very zelda-y it's very uh it's isometric um you uh I, there's a overworld in the beginning that I was kind of exploring, and then I went to the first this one area. I don't know if you can. You might be able to do areas out of order. I don't really. I'm not really sure. Um, but you go into a dungeon, and it's and the first one was the urn witch, and you're you're uh, you're in her house, and it uh, where, with all these like beautiful uh, like marbled floors and ceramic vases that are attacking you, and uh, you. You know, you go through like a dungeon. You there's you're solving puzzles in every room, fighting enemies. Uh, you get a new ability that helps you um, solve problems uh, and uh, fight the main boss. And then you get you go back into the world and go find where the next dungeon is. Um, so the 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 usual gameplay loop of it is uh, extremely well worn territory, but the style of it is really nice and it's just done very well. Like it. it uh it it is a good playing game like i think that like the combat feels pretty good um uh the attacking and the use of the like the abilities or spells are like really kind of enjoyable and the writing is super cute it's a good game i i like it so much it's a 19 dollars, so pretty bargainy price and i think the game clocks in around uh 10 hours i'm like two hours or so in and i have 19 percent done on the save file do you think you'll finish it i do think i'll finish this one because it seems pretty short and i'm liking what i'm seeing so far cool all right so Uh. speaking of death uh i've been playing more phasmophobia okay so this is a this is a, a funny thing to say but we're getting really good at phasmophobia no that makes sense because at some point, if you don't, if you can like start to get really good at min-maxing, figuring out the ghosts, what the ghosts are. So there, there was a moment yesterday where uh, we didn't have any clues on the ghost, but based on the mannerisms of the ghost, we instantly knew that like, oh, it's a yokai. Yokais uh, attack people if they talk too much near them. And based on those ways that it was acting, like, we think it's a yokai, so look for this evidence, this evidence, this evidence. Yeah, it is. We caught it. But but also, more so than that, we're playing the large lef- levels, like, the, the very large levels on higher difficulty levels. And there is definitely, like, a skill to hunting the ghost and to finding the ghost as well. And at the start of the game, I, I think a lot of people... so. For those who don't know about Phasmophobia, it's a game about hunting ghosts. So you're going into these locations, trying to collect evidence on what the ghost is, but you need to be careful uh, because as you're in there, your sanity drains. And if your sanity gets too low, the ghost can start to hunt you and then kill you. And when you die, uh, you lose the items that you brought in with you. So you have to uh, sort of, you know... And the items are required to ghost hunt, so if you lose too much, you're going to have a harder time hunting the next ghost. So you might have to hunt weaker ghosts and, and play on lower difficulty levels if you don't have the gear you need. But anyway, so that's the way that the game is set up. Uh, but we're getting very good at finding the ghost, and I'm actually we're finding that the best way to do it is actually by just being slow and listening. So just like waiting for the ghost to make a move to like open a door to do something and you know in some cases i'm playing on the larger levels 
with just one other person. And the fewer people you have, it, it's almost easier to find the ghost. Because you don't have to wonder like, oh, did somebody else open this door? Did somebody else turn this light on? You, you can kind of be like, okay, this door is slightly cracked open. So the ghost is definitely here. Um, and, and also, like, they've been improving the game. They've been adding new levels. They've been uh, fixing a lot of bugs. Like, the game is way less buggy than it used to be. Which is good because like the worst bugs were mostly with uh, the consistency of the way that things would operate. And I, I feel like they've really fixed those bugs, but they the game is still uh, still like arcane and mysterious in how some things work. So it, there is still like this weird like mystery and like rumors of like, oh, if, if you say these words, the ghost is more likely to attack you. Or the ghosts can hear you when the mic button isn't pushed down and things like that. So there is still like that weird mystery of the game, but there's not like, oh, the ghost just chose not to write in the book for an hour. Like that, that's not an issue anymore. Uh, yeah. So I'm digging it. The 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 the, the one man dev team has hired more developers, and the Trello board for the game has expanded a lot. So there's so much new stuff that they want to do, new levels. They're looking to sort of uh, rework uh, the level progression in the game, which could be cool. I, I think that personally, I think it would be cool if uh, as your character leveled up, you get access to like different character models and cosmetics or maybe like uh, skins for uh, the different things that you could bring into the house. So like a, a different like looking flashlight or a different looking thermometer or something, maybe like a, an EMF reader that was like old, like looked like very old school, like from the 1800s or something like that could be cool. That looked more like a Geiger counter or something or a, what do you call those things that track uh, uh, radiation? A Geiger counter, I thought. Oh, yeah. So that so th those are the kind of things that I would want to see them improve more like a horizontal progression. But yeah, definitely more levels and things like that. And I and I think that it would be really cool uh, if they outsourced uh, level creation to the community, and there were just like community-made maps. I think that that would really expand the uh, the replayability of that game. And I I feel like that would be uh, I don't know. Like I feel like that would turn it almost into a, a lifestyle game. It is like uh, for fourteen dollars. I think that it's an absolutely amazing. Uh, game and, and also it is the one game that has made me seriously consider getting a vr headset oh man i don't think i could i could deal with that it is also like the like one of the like the scariest games uh just because it is so like procedural in nature that you can't really count on things happening twice the same time the same way it yeah. stays scary which is weird because it's so goofy half the half the other the other half the time but seeing just the monster seeing the ghost is just always disconcerting and they've made the like more ghost models and the fact that so, like just the one time i've only ever seen it once but the one time that the ghost was crawling on the ceiling in a room like when i went in the ghost was just crawling on the ceiling and then disappeared that was just uh, yeah that's that's unnerving i, I would also like I, I can't wait to see like they're they talk about like they want to add more uh like traditional horror motifs to it so I, I would love to see things where the ghost appears in the mirror or the ghost uh, appears and then you look away and then you look again and it's not there. 
And and I'd love to see them add more things like that. They also talk about wanting to add more things like maybe you walk into a room and like everything is floating and then just like smashes to the ground. Like I, I just want to see them add that kind of stuff to the game. That's really exciting. And it's just cool that that's the kind of stuff that they're talking about. Nice. Um, should we talk about uh, Guilty Gears or? We could. I've also real quick, I've been playing some of the new RimWorld expansion. Ideology. Uh, ideology so it's pretty cool it's essentially just like religion systems for your uh communities uh and they're customizable and they're also uh you could also like procedurally generate them and it'll also generate like backstories and deities for you or you could like modify the deities and it's really like i don't know it's really fun when you name one of your deities like chance and then you see like the the people doing like the the celebration of chance and like you're you you could be like prophetizing and like bringing him like the the like the i don't know the religion of chance to people it's i don't know that's kind of funny but but it's it's essentially like you could put like different like precepts and memes into your community of uh you know my my people are all about attuning to animals so they will they only they'll be very depressed if they don't have an animal attached to them or you know my people are obsessed with uh drugs or my people are ext- like the way that i set up my current religion is uh they they view their body as not their own they think that their body belongs to the community and to serve the community so they're very much into tech implants and into like modifying their body to become like more powerful and more useful and they don't care about their individual achievements they only care about the good of their people and for that reason they're also uh on- they're more satisfied when there are slaves in the community because they think that other ways of like other ideologies outside of their own are like pointless so the the concept of like someone being an individualist and only caring for themselves is like pointless it goes against like the way that the world is supposed to be so the idea is that they look to enslave people and indoctrinate people because uh that person is better saw like their the use of their body is better served to the community and to like the greater good which is like the ascension of the whole so like playing my community towards these ideas is really cool because in, in the past, you could kind of, like, roleplay this, but now there are systems in the game that, like, celebrate this and that allow you to do this of, like, okay, if your people have tech implants, they'll work three times as hard. Or if people have slaves, they'll be better satisfied, and they're they're better at breaking slaves, like, and at making people, uh, you know, come over to your side. So it, it's really cool that they've now taken the way that, like, you know, people have previously role-played their communities and they've built systems around it. And, you know, this is something that grows as... Uh, because the game is heavily moddable. So, you know, you have these default precepts of communities that you think, but but you you could think of all the ways that this could be modded, of uh, maybe there's a community that's obsessed with water or something. And the more water that surrounds the base, the happier they'll be. So you have to create this base that's, like, uh, built along, like, a river. And then you're using, like, 
uh, you're, you're essentially like building like your community on like stilts and all this. And then all of the ways that you would have to contend with that and contend with like heavy storms and flooding and things like it, it's just really cool to think about how these different like uh, mods might come to be. One of one of I think the coolest vanilla precepts that's in the game right now or memes uh, is blindness and the idea that like uh, there's a ritual when you're when when people are brought into your community or are born where their eyes are removed and then ultimately like your characters can survive in absolute darkness uh, because they're all just like born to be blind. So, you know, they'll have like heightened, like ultra hearing, but some tasks will just be like much harder to, to perform for them. So maybe they'll be like really terrible at shooting, but really amazing in close up combat and things like that because of their blindness. Dang. Cool I didn't stuff. even know that game was getting really upgraded. Oh, yeah. And that game is still one of the best reviewed games on Steam. But you know what's crazy is that uh, Phasmophobia is like three times uh, as popular, despite having only recently come out and still being in early access. But Phasmophobia got like that streamer energy to it, right? Mm-hmm. Where a lot of streamers just like played Phasmophobia for a month. It was like Among Us and Phasmophobia. Or like the thing in October. Dang. Other than that, I've I've been playing uh, Monster Hunter Stories. That game is still good. Uh, and we've been playing Guilty Gear. Yeah, I don't know if there's Guilty Gear you want to talk about. Yeah. Um. Well, there wasn't. There was a patch. Uh, a new character came out. Gold Lewis Dickinson. Um. Not the kind of character I might be interested in, but I think it is a cool character. At least from like a top-down look at fighting games. One of the main things is Behemoth Typhoon. In this Behemoth Typhoon. I'll explain what Behemoth Typhoon is. Uh, it's a it, any quarter, any half circle, anywhere in any direction um, does a different one. There's eight different ones, right? Um, and they all. So when you say this, what you mean? What you mean is like he has a move called Behemoth Typhoon, but it has eight different variations. Yes. Depending uh, on the way that you move the stick in a half circle. Yeah. So, so there are eight different half circles. Yeah. So every, yeah, every different variation of a half circle going in different directions, um, even like ones that are, uh, that are on the top of the stick, um, moving from like left to up left and up. And then, uh, you know, like I, I'm not going to do the numpad notations, but um, yeah, it, it having, one move that has eight variations depending on which way you input a half circle is a pretty wild choice. I think it's also a weird choice in a lot of cases. I wonder how that works. Like, I, I'm not used to um, inputting a half circle, a, an upper half circle. Um, so that's like a awkward motion. Uh, so that's kind of an interesting concept. Uh, I would say the rest of his kit doesn't look too interesting it's kind of really revolves around the behemoth typhoon um i was hoping that he'd have a little bit more to do with like he's just like chubby fbi agent or something and he's got a coffin that he swings which and that's kind of the behemoth typhoon is the, the coffin has an alien inside the coffin has an alien inside and i was almost i was hoping that they would do a little bit more with it some of the normals are the alien sticking its head out or hands out and shit like that but um uh, there's not much outside. He has like a Gatling gun that is kind of crazy and a remote drone. Um, but uh, I think some people are liking him. I've seen high damage combos and I'm seeing people do pretty well with him. Um, and then also another big thing was that uh, some of the uh, character files that uh, it looked like we knew exactly which characters were going to come out this season and Gold, Lu- uh, Gold Lewis was 
on the money that was that was uh guessed early as one of the characters because there's files in the game in the pc in the pc game that show all the playable characters and these extra uh like five or six characters or whatever that are going to be included in dlc um but apparently the names changed where it looks like instead of um oscar or that man we might get slayer and biken which are um you know extremely popular characters in guilty gear um so i wonder what they would do with with those characters i've always slayer was the character that like whenever i tried to play guilty gear that was the character i tried to play um which is a bad choice actually he's a really ridiculously high um input character uh his main thing that makes him really cool is that uh his dash is invincible he he appears he disappears a vampire um and vampires in guilty gear have weird ass things going on for them like they never die they always just like whenever they lose a round they just kind of like relax on the ground like not like nagoriyuki does um but yeah uh his main kind of weird thing was that uh he has a dash that's invincible that he just disappears forward or backwards and it's invincible but you can cancel it at any time so what people the way people would kind of play him is that they would be constantly dashing and canceling the dash um and if you're doing it right then uh the 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 start up frames of his abilities gained that invincibility if you like timed it right so he's a very technical character that required like a dash a jump cancel and then an input to be able to be uh reach reach his full potential and i wonder how they'll, they'll handle him um other than that uh I, I don't know, like, I, I was hoping that there'd be a little bit more of a timeline or that the Gold Lewis patch would bring about maybe some balance changes. Uh, I'm worried about how Evo will look when the game is balanced the way it is right now. Uh, one of the, I think some, I think that uh, I had already talked about how kind of the balance is a little wonky and especially like Soul is a huge, is like the, one of the biggest problems. Um, and I think one of the main reasons that he's not more of a big, he's not like a complete game breaking problem is that uh, in the current lobby system, you can choose who you want to fight. So people will probably dip out on fighting known top tiers like Soul, Ram, or May. Um, and also, uh, a lot of pro players currently don't want to spend a lot of time learning Soul unless they actually like the character because they're worried about a massive nerf. So other than the people who generally die hard play soul, like Deb plays soul, um, uh, the most of the other community really doesn't want to touch him because they think they're, he's just going to get nerfed in the ground. And because online, you won't really get many matches. People won't, will choose not to fight you. But if he's not getting nerfed in a patch close enough to Evo, then I feel like you'll see a lot of people just pick up that character, especially, um, some of the like the Japanese players that have a lot more on the line that are coming that that might have to uh, take a flight over uh, probably will do whatever it takes to win. Like the, they won't they won't just like play stick to that character. They'll probably play soul. So that kind of mm-hmm. stuff needs to. I think that stuff needs to be addressed as soon as possible. Um, I don't think that they need to do like major tweaks to every character, but I do think that they need to uh, deal with the top tiers before evo happens because it's going to look really horrible for them um i hope i i I really there's there's other stuff like i i really want them to put in uh more colors i really want them to fix lobbies lobbies are still really broken um there's still like a lot of uh issues with going up to people and getting a message that uh it can't connect um they're going to increasingly need a combo mode uh 
It's weird because they they have the items like it's in there and it's set up and there are people who are like um there there's even ways to like upload like combos into their system and like download combos into their system. So even if they didn't want to come up with the combos themselves, which they absolutely should, they could also just like make it easy and intuitive to, to give the community the power to do that. Yeah, you know how cool would... I, I forget which games do something like this, but um, how cool would it be if you could look up a character and then look, and then there would be a list of, of combos that people uploaded and you could upvote or downvote combos. And the idea would be that you could look and you could look under certain tags. Let's say like you could, you could upload a combo to the to the system that is tagged as like a bread and butter or tagged as like a wall combo or tagged as like a carry combo or or a combo that that uses a roman cancel or anything like that like something where people could say like oh, i just want to like look up a bread and butter i need a wall combo i need a roman cancel com i need all these kind of things um and that people could upvote and downvote uh and I don't know if it gave it could give the people like the fight money, the shitty fight money that does nothing in this game anyway, as like a karmic system. Um, and you could just like upload combos. You could just look really quick online, like uh, in in game, in like an online kind of thing of like just search for what kind of combo you're you're looking for, what's the result of the combo that you're kind of looking for, um, and see what people have uploaded and then upvote or downvote them. And you could even yeah. like save them and. Uh, like save them so that while you're um, playing, they already have the thing like you said, where if you input if you input a combo, there's a thing that there you can put it so that it shows a combo notation on the left, and it'll show like the exact inputs um, the way it and would it'll, on a it combo. It even mission. like has like a pass fail thing to it, where it'll yeah. tell you like oh you know do this combo three out of five times, and then you get a you get a pass on it. And what's even weirder is that they have some of the combos in the game. They have combos in the game that are tucked away in the mission mode, and it lets you choose characters, and then, like, it's so weird. So there are combos, there are mission combos in the game, but they hide them away. And there's not a lot of them, but there are some. So it's weird that they went through the trouble of doing that, but then just didn't, like, wrap it up nicely and put a bow on it, because it's something people want so badly. Yeah. It is also interesting because the the um, kind of community-driven style of combos that they could include, that they almost have the framework to include, um, get around the whole patching thing. Um, if, if, you know, a combo is a complete bread and butter, it's important, and then they patch something where now the bread and butter is either there's a more optimal thing or the old bread and butter didn't work, doesn't work on a, on a character or something like that then that combo can just get downvoted. Um, and whatever you'll be seeing at the top is going to, you know, what the community is deciding is is good. I, I think that that would be a really cool system. Yeah. So uh, I got to, I got to here, Challenger. Right? Um, oh, yeah. Which I didn't even know was a thing. Like, there's floor 1 through 10, and, you know, they say that there's heaven after 10. And I did not know that you get put into Challenger. Like, it's so crazy. It was like, when I went through when i get after you could see the list of floor one through ten even when you're not in ten or high up um and when you uh get enough wins in floor 10 it opens up with this like challenger mode and just a whole floor just appears on it like suddenly like a floor just like rewrite it like rewrites it to show that there's an 11th floor and that's challenger and apparently you have to win i guess four out of five games and that's pretty tough 
at that level. I don't know. Yeah, you uh, got to be choosy. Just fight the the Fausts, right? Yeah, something like that. I mean, I've always you do kind of worry about the idea of like. Uh, like, I guess I should have just been choosy for, like, just picking on people who just got into Challenger or something like that. It's kind of fucked up. It really is kind of fucked up the way that the lobby system works. I mean, in usual, you would think that the way that, that usually things work is that you don't get a choice about who you fight. And so, yeah. and some of the, 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 exactly like I said, like, some of the reason why maybe we haven't seen exactly the truth about even how bad or frustrating the balance is, is because you don't really have to deal with the high, the concept of high tiers because people picked high tier, people kind of like understood what the high tiers were early and nothing about the high tiers has really changed. People thought that May and Sol were really good and, and that hasn't necessarily like flipped on its head. I think Ram maybe people are thinking is like just a little bit lower on that high tier spectrum than maybe people thought originally. But anyway, it was easy to ignore them. Uh, and because it was easy to ignore them, or you felt like a scale for picking them that people would maybe just pass you up and not want to fight. Maybe they would be like, eh, you know what, I'll skip the fight in the soul, I'll fight someone else. The, weird, the weirdest part is that it tells you who they're playing, but I don't think it tells you their ping. Yes. No, you, so, I, you are right. That drives me crazy. What? That's so more do important. It the, do it the opposite. Show me their ping. But don't show me who they're going to play. Yeah, it's pretty wild. It Also, what a ballsy system that they think that they that it's so good that they don't have to show any sort of like ping level or connection level before they set you up with anyone. The only, literally the, like you said, like you're in a lobby where there's people at these arcade mode, these arcade, uh, like kind of setups and you just go over and you just see the name of the person. You see the level of the amount of like grinding they have done on this character. And you know, the character that they're fighting and you know, nothing else. And you think you would think that like the way it used to, the way it is in other fighting games in, in Tekken, in street fighter is the name of the person and the connection. And that's it. And, uh, not who they're picking. And I, I, obviously that makes more sense, right? Like, obviously like you, you would think that if you trust your balance that, um, any character should be playable and that you as a player, like you're used, you have to deal with anything that's thrown at you. And part of being, uh, doing better in an online structure is being able to handle anything. Is it, is it like the game, they, they, yeah. the system randomly threw an axle at you. How are you going to do it? And that also or maybe, yeah. Or maybe you're an axle player and you just want to farm. I so you have a like a badge that shows you're an Ino killer, and you only go out and you fight them, and you get to heaven. Yeah, just, but that's just fighting but that Inos is and the, keeping them that, down. That is kind of the weird, illegitimate thing. Is that um, uh, you, you know, like I, I kind of there, there's a lot of reasons why Guilty Gear is like it's so close, and maybe that's why I like to play it so much. Is like other than how I think that like they they obviously nailed like production and music. It's uh, on the fighting, on the actual like nuts and bolts. It's so close to being like the perfect fighting game, um, especially since they did so so generally well with the online and how the online like actually feels. Um, but there's such weird stuff with the certain matchups and how matchups can feel bad. And one of like the weirder things is just it seems like a lot of characters were developed in a vacuum and there wasn't much consideration to how they would interact with other characters. One really good example of this is like Giovanna is a pretty good, like, an upper mid-tier character. She's incredibly fast, and zoners probably have a little bit of a problem keeping her out because once she makes that one right choice, she's in and she's, like, all over you a lot of times. Um, she, her character model, she, she crouches down a lot, and because of it, like, most normals and standing normals whiff on her. 
Um, that's like a weird thing. Like I, I like she go, she, she just like stands underneath a lot of normals. And I would wonder if there was any consideration at any point in time to like, okay, Faust is a tall character. His fastest buttons like punch and kick are going to go under this character's head. Um, do we give him anything to compensate? You know, like, like if, if you, if you're looking at that matchup and you're not developing it in a vacuum, you would think that you would, you would look at that and say, Ooh, this is a problem, right? Like his stand K and, uh, his like five K and five P shouldn't whiff legit over this character's head while they're standing in front of him. We should, we should think about this, right? Like that's, that's a weird thing. We, we have to like give him something or give her a negative that will, balance out this thing that she has um and 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 i don't see it uh like there's a lot of weird stuff in that game um i I had a recent frequent uh uh, problem where like i was playing a lot on online and i've kind of like uh gotten my characters down to like zato and nagoriki and a little bit of giovanna um but i really love zato so much and he's kind of who i spend a lot of time in practice trying to get better at his combos because they're they're very very hard they're to, to me at least i think they're they're hard uh, I think he's probably the highest execution character in the game because he requires all this like negative edging in a combo, which yeah, is yeah. his puppet lets go. Uh, his puppet does its moves after you let go of a button, not yeah. when you press it. Um, but love this character. I, I really love it. I've really found like a slight like come some of a home on that character. And uh, I, I there was one night where I ended up fighting a couple axles, and I was shocked because it was like I was just getting absolutely my ship pushed in and I could not figure out how to yeah. like, why it wasn't. Yeah. Wor- yeah. Uh, why, why was nothing working at all? Axel just like, and, and hearing, reading some stuff online is like, you know, this people talk about it being a horrible matchup, but the more you, the more I played it, the more I just didn't understand it. It's like, I, I understand it less as I'm playing these better axles because all of the kind of ways that you, your entire neutral game with Zato, and one of the areas that he's the strongest is that he can set up, especially if the character is kind of in a footsie level or like like you're, you're, you're kind of mid-screen with someone, you can set up the shadow and then they have to kind of watch for your options. Like if you set, you can set up the shadow that has armor to uh, absorb for you. And if yeah. people try and jump in with an attack, you can counter it and then get a big combo. Or if they're kind of like, mid-screen and they want to um play the fireball game that's when you can like uh put the shadow move the shadow underneath the fireball or uh direct the fireball back at them with with a with this drunkard shade um but axel his uh normals the way he's already going to play at that mid-screen footsie level is he wants to throw out uh pokes at you because that's what the character is and all of his pokes beat eddie just raw like he so, so you can't, he's the one character where, like, the entire way that Zato has to play, you have to, like, stop using Eddie in normals and try and get in. And at that point, you realize how actually slow Zato is. Uh, he has no, like, major form of air movement or air dash. He He's strong against other characters because he flies, which means that you can mistime um, your jump-ins. Normally, other characters, with any other character... Uh, they they have a jump arc, and if they're jumping in, the enemy would time a anti-air to the jump in. But with Zato, because you can float and you can just guard while you're floating, you can jump up like you're going to jump in and then float backwards a little bit, uh, watch them anti-air, and then come down on them. But 
when you're fighting Axel, the flying is really slow, and he's always going to be able to anti-air you. So, like, you just have, like, no movement. You have no forward dash. He has a... He has, like, a kind of middle-of-the-road uh, run, and he has probably tied for, like, the slowest walk speed in the game. So these kind of things combined make it so that, like, this matchup is horrendous, and I don't know why it's so bad. Like, it's, like, such a weird... It's just weird the way that, like, playing these kind of characters are, like, I bet sure. playing Eno against Axel is just, like, why did they make this? Like, and otherwise, the character Axel is, like, so well de- designed in this game, but... you know some matchups across the board are just like the characters have the keys to the other person's house in this weird way of like why does this character get me for free why and and in this game for whatever reason bad matchups don't feel like six four they feel like eight two you know where it's like you're just not getting to play and well welcome to arxis like i don't know if it was that way in dragon ball fighters but it definitely was in blaze blue i don't know how much blaze blue you played um but it was Blaise not Blue, that way in Dragon Ball Blaise Fighters. Blaze Blue had I will say. the issue of of consider the way that certain Blaze Blue characters are built, where I, yeah, you have characters like like Tager, uh, where Tager is super slow, but he has like vacuums that can suck people in and deal damage. So like the idea is that he can offset uh, the the zoner power because he could like suck people closer. But then you had characters like Carl Clover whose whole thing was that he wasn't a zoner, but he kind of was because he controlled a puppet that fought for him on the other side of the field that is, like, constantly interrupting Tager, like, with attacks from behind as you're moving forward. And and same thing uh, with Lychee, which is a character that uh, controlled a staff, and her whole game plan was, like, she had this staff, which she was, like, psychically attuned to, that she could, like, move around the stage. So characters like Tigger were in a really terrible position against these type of characters because they're not exactly zoners, but they're still, like, hitting him from across the board in, in a way that almost makes the matchup uninteractive. Yeah. Uh- he wasn't he wasn't a bad character. Like Taker wasn't bad because he actually dealt with some of the best characters in the game really well, but there were mid-tier characters that he really struggled against. And Guilty Gear uh is the same exact way. Yeah, it's really weird. Uh Dragon Ball Fighters actually wasn't this way. Um most of the characters like and tag games inherently like have this problem less, right? I guess so because, because you, you have three people on your team. You have three people on your team, you kind of have like a way around a lot of the problems. I, I wouldn't say because like there there is like also one of the things that maybe one of the reasons why Dragon Ball Fighters never had this issue is because most characters in Dragon Ball Fighters, if you had to group them any any anything, is a rushdown. Like literally everyone is a rushdown character. So um, it was more like based on their setups and a little bit less about like, oh, this character beats me for free. Like there wasn't really that much like sure. you, you beat me for free um, uh, in that game. Uh, and uh, I've been used to this. Like, I mean, this is a concept that you can't get away from. Like in uh, in in Street Fighter, the the you know, the oldest game, the oldest fighting game series, pretty much. Um, there has always been an issue with Dalsim versus Zangief um, where uh Zangief just struggles really hard against that character. Dalsum just can, pokes him and keeps him pretty much out. Um, and Dalsum has stuff like the teleport, which is invincible on startup uh, usually. So he, so like Zangief doesn't get his Oki options as much. And uh, it's always been a kind of an awkward matchup. So 
you have a character where they can be pretty good against the rest of the cast, but then just have this one horrendous matchup. But there's something about it. I think that the, the Blaze Blue made more sense because it is uh, the same developer. It's the uh, red and blue team, so it's not the exact team. But um, Blaze Blue is a better example where it feels like the characters were designed. It, it just it, it feels like a little bit something different than what I'm describing with the general Zangief, the grappler problem. Like gra- grapplers have always had a issue in fighting games. Um, and that's what part of why they have a lot of health is they like they struggle in matchups, but usually they're compensated for the fact that they have a lot of health so that they have they get to make the enemy has to make way more right choices than the grappler does. The grappler has to try and get in and they have more they can fail more often um, until they finally get yeah. in and then they can get their big damage. Um, but in Guilty Gear, it just doesn't feel like it doesn't feel like the 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 grappler problem of old of like you kind of get countered by certain things. It feels like a more direct like there's some characters who whose kits invalidate yours and uh, when you're playing Guilty Gear or when especially when you're seeing your opponent like when they're popping off, they're getting to like live that character's dream. In a way that doesn't feel as much in Street Fighter, the characters are more of a tool, I guess. Like they're a tool for winning, but they but they have less like wild shit going on and less snowbally effects. Um, you get set to neutral a lot in Guilty Gear. Um, when you're playing that character, you're usually just like it's super flashy, it's fun. Um, you're moving quickly, you're getting big damage combos, you're juggling them, and when you're on the other side of that. It is so frustrating. You're not your character looks like an idiot. You're not doing anything right. Uh, it feels like every choice you're making is wrong, and you're not playing the character so much as you're playing against that other character who is like wiling out. Like they're just getting to do whatever they want. They're having fun. They're controlling the pace of the game, and you're just like blocking. And you know you get opened up. Now you're blocking again. You got opened up. You have to. You, you got knocked down. You got to Oki and. It just feels worse in that game than it does in usual in other games. I I don't know why. Like I don't usually see myself as being uh, someone who gets like super angry or tells people to kill themselves in the way that some of our friends do. And uh, I don't know what it is about Guilty Gear that that I've seen with all of us. Where like if I win two, if 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 I win two against you that are like perfects, like near perfects, nothing is going on. There's a sudden like thing. It's only been two rounds, right? But suddenly it'll start to feel like, how would it go any other way? Like this, this matchup fucking sucks for this character. And it's the same like vice versa or anywhere else with us where like when you lose one or two rounds, you really feel it. And you're really like, what the fuck is going on? Like I'm not able to play. Yeah, I, I think that that's like an old meme about Guilty Gear where Guilty Gear players pretty much say, fuck any character that isn't mine. And that's, and, and, that's and, and, and you think that's why is like, is like to be... When that person is doing well, they are just going crazy. And, and it's one. And it's funny because it creates this situation for me, at least, where I need to play every character because I have to understand. But the characters are so different from each other that it. So, some things do carry over. Like there, there are some bread and butters and like timings that are universal. And like if you play one character and get really good at them. Uh, you will have an easier time picking up your second character. But at the same time, the characters are so unique uh, that it can be hard uh, to learn new characters. But it is almost necessary uh, to deal with your bad matchups. Yeah. And this is this is going to sound funny, but I'm actually 
I've actually been seeing a little bit of Amelia for like the very first time. Like I've never fought Amelia. I've never played as Amelia, but I've been watching a little bit of Amelia, and it almost feels like. Goldick Lewison isn't the new character this patch. Melia is, because that's the next character that I really want to spend some time with. Gold Dick Lewinson. Gold Dick Lewinson. Gold Dick? Gold Lewis. Go- Gold, Gold Lewis Dickinson? Gold yeah, people, Dick Lewison? People that... keep memeing it the other way, okay. and I'm getting, uh, I'm getting caught up on it. Wow. But yeah, it makes me... makes I want to play some of that Melia. I don't know. Um... Yeah, it's weird. It's weird how lo- how bad losing can feel in that game, um, uh, and how little you feel like you're doing. You're just watching the other person play practice mode on you. I love it though. Um, I think it's. I, I really do. Uh, I, I still. I, I will still keep saying that I think that Guilty Gear Strive is the first fighting game, uh, and it is really like the. Uh, it it is. Uh, the, it is the start of a new generation of fighting games, primarily because it is the first. A big game like this to introduce like a good net code yeah it's the first and big game to have ggpo on launch it's, it's not like the first one i think that Skullgirls before did it and, and Skullgirls. yeah it's the, the first game, but major one it's the first of the the major titles so it is like i i still think that like for all of the the negative feelings that it does uh conjure up sometimes that it is definitely worth playing yeah it is it is it is a good fighting game. I'm coming around on it more to just like less being less polarized on it and less like I hate it, I love it to more like I I'm liking it and I want a better future for it. Our, and, our sets have been have been really good as yeah. both of us get better and as both of us understand the rules around grabbing a little bit more or just game because it's arcane. I mean, they're they're less arcane sometimes. Like I think some of the things we were getting caught up on early is like if you time a jump in too early and you hit at the top of your jump in that your you your recovery on the ground means that you get grabbed for free pretty much um and that you kind of can't i don't think you can break it um so like a lot of the it, a lot of those mechanics were more built based in based around like jump ins and like awkward jump ins or like uh safe jump ins and stuff that just felt like why was i getting grabbed or like i thought i could gra- out grab that and then there's other weird stuff um command grabs always beat grabs and they also beat invincible moves on startup so uh for dps they get beaten by command grabs on startup if they're timed right and then there's other things like i would say yeah. one of the most awkward things about the game which i guess maybe maybe it's this way purposefully as just a high tier skill skill uh skill ceiling kind of thing is that uh meeting is very very hard in this game wake ups are very hard um and if you slightly miss time a meaty then someone will probably wake up grab you um for yeah. e- easily um so it, it almost there's a lot of onus on the attacker to correctly time a meaty because if you are slightly late then you get grabbed and if you are slightly early then you whiff it as they're standing up and you get grabbed so the enemy like all the enemy has to do is is a delayed wake up grab and they cover multiple meaty options um and they probably and if they delay it then they'll also um eat the grab they'll eat the move first they'll eat the attack first and then be in block stun while the grab's happening so there's a lot of onus on that attacker for timing a meaty um, which is awkward. It, even even after 150 hours, it's awkward. But I'd say this is the video games. Guilty Gear, baby. Take uh, us home. Maybe maybe we should have a separate podcast on Oath, where oh, we yeah. just talk it's about. It's been two Oath. hours. Yeah, but Oath is 
Both oh, is worth, worth talking about, but let's let's save that for another time. Uh, we should probably collect some thoughts and write them down for that one. Hell yeah. Uh, WTDG Podcast, that's what you've been listening to. It's a long show. Long show. They're always this long. So thanks for sticking it through to our normal, you know, this, this is the amount, right? It's like two hours every It's two every hours. Week. It's around two hours. It's usually an hour 40. Yeah, usually an hour 40. Uh, WTDGpodcast.com. Maybe maybe you've heard of it. That's the website. Uh, at sign WTDGpodcast on Twitter. Uh, that's that's where we go to say, hey, there's a new episode. And, uh, you know, what's the deal with games? That's what you're listening to. This is episode 268. And you could find this podcast because you found it some way. Maybe you found it on Spotify or iTunes. Uh, but you could follow or like the show there. And I, I guess that does something for our metrics. We don't really... We don't really we don't care, though. Thank you, Ryan Gowling. We don't bother with metrics. Thank you, Ryan Gowling Bumper, for the use of music. We use the intro and outro. You can get it off the new album, Pop Psalms 2020. You can find Ooh, them at... Is that what we use? For now. I guess I should change it to a woo. Um, I'll, if, if, if I do change it, I will let you know. And then and then uh, we'll have to figure out the best way to pronounce it. But that's part of the fun of the new band. All right, James. Thank you very much. Thank you, Ryan. I hope your stocks go to the moon. Soon.